And then what you also get is a meddler. So a meddler is kind of like half tank, half judge. They judge you and then they take over and do it for you because you're obviously not going to be able to do it yourself. I honestly feel like you just set the scene for some new sitcom with three mother-in-laws who are oh, diabolically, God, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. I, I really like every, I, my mother-in-law is lovely for the record if she's listening. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I feel like, uh, yeah, that, that I just pictured like three uh, like older women conspiring to take over the neighborhood and make their son-in-law's life, you know, miserable. So that That'd would be interesting. Yeah. So if there are three mother-in-laws, then maybe from a past marriage, one mother-in-law still has stuck around. Oh, I like it. It's going to be a really neat behind the scenes. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so weird. Because something always magical happens. Wait, what? Did you just make that up? Hey, it's Meredith for real, the curious introvert. Listen each week as I talk with someone new. The topics are as ADD as I am, but they'll inspire you to stay curious and grow. Big thanks to our location sponsor, the UWF Historical Trust. Hey, Curiositors, it's me, Meredith. If you've been with me a while, you know that I love Paradox. And this week's guest comes with a double scoop. The first scoop is that he's a medical doctor turned relationship trainer. Second scoop is his philosophy on dealing with people you can't stand is so that you can bring out the best in them. Like what? I thought identifying people we can't stand into types was so that we can make internet memes. Nope. You're going to love what he has to say. There is a lot of good stuff in here. I've made a lovely Cliff Notes email for it, and it will go out on Saturday. So if you're not yet on my email list and you're in the U.S., you can text R-E-A-L to 66866. And if you're outside the U.S., go to MeredithForReal.com. I send all new subscribers a link to archived emails, too, in case there was an episode in the archives that you want Cliff Notes to as well. And big thanks, by the way, to everyone who sent in examples of real people they can't stand for my guests to identify and give advice for. That was pretty fun. And if you've been with me a while, you are so appreciated, okay? There are a jillion podcasts out there, so the fact that you hit play on this one week after week honestly means the world. And I'd love to get your feedback on specific episodes and what you want to hear more of. You can do that by joining my next monthly Zoom Room Mingle. It's 45 minutes of virtual socializing with me and other listeners. You can save your spot by clicking the link in the show notes or on my Instagram bio, which is Meredith For Real. And if you're new here, welcome. I started this podcast in 2019 as a project to inspire people to choose curiosity over judgment. Each guest brings a personal development opportunity along with their story so you can stay curious and grow. There's really no order to listen to episodes, so just have a look around and honestly hit play on whatever grabs your attention. All right, everyone, enjoy the show. Do you work with someone that you can't stand or maybe you live with them? Well, (laughs) my next guest is a naturopathic physician making him skilled at looking at cause and the whole picture of problems and their effect. He noticed that when people solved the problems in their relationships, many of their physical symptoms also subsided. And that's when he made the switch to mind-body medicine. He shares my philosophy on bright, meaningful entertainment and uses his wit and insight for his corporate training sessions with clients like NASA, Lockheed Martin, and the FBI. 
Today, he is going to hear real examples that you have sent in to help you identify what kind of pain in the ass you've got on your hands because there's actually nameable types. <laughs> He's also going to give us strategies on how to bring out the best in those people. Best-selling author, fellow introvert, brokering communication and dad jokes, Dr. Rick <laughs> Brinkman. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome introduction. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you, that you liked it. I love uh, what you also tend to say that you're a conscious communicator. I just love that because I love living life with a little bit more intention. It's so easy not to. Mm -hmm. I do have a, a question before we dive in to some of the special types that people have sent in. Is diff these difficult personality or they're not personality or are they that's my question is this limited to personality types or associated in any way to personality types or can these difficult profiles be with any sort of personality okay it's a very important question uh, and it's really the place to start first of all if you want to be successful you have to separate personality from behavior uh, behavior is fluid and it's constantly changing. One minute a person's normal, then they blow up through a tantrum, then they withdraw and they're quiet for a while, then they're normal, then they're whining, then there's something else. Behavior changes according to context. Where are we? What's going on? Are we at a business meeting, social gathering, one-on-one? -on -one? And relationship. Who are we with? Boss, friend, spouse, co-worker. And uh, the truth is, even the people you're closest to, you do not know how they are in completely different contexts and different relationships where you're not you're not present at personality is really everything it's how a person is in all situations all relationships all contexts. and uh the, the catch here is that we as human beings can only consciously pay attention to seven give or take two things at any one time you could be aware of what i just said what you think about the rate of your breathing temperature in the room and if we hear crash there goes our attention something drops out well, we have a part of our brainstem called our reticular activating system. It has a multitude of functions, one of which is like radar. So if you get married, suddenly it looks like everybody's getting married. And if you have children, it looks like a baby boom. And if you're interested in a certain car, there it goes again. A part of our brain's going, doo, 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 and then you see it. So back to personality versus behavior. If I think somebody's personality is negative, guess what I noticed? Doo, doo, there they are again. Doo, doo, told you so. Doo, doo. I knew nothing would work with that person. You could engage in the strategy for negativity. You could be having an impact. You're getting quite a change with a person, but you know what? You will not even notice it. So you really have to put aside the concept of personality and think behavior. Here now, how is this person acting? And therefore, what do they really need from me? I could see where just having uh, labels would be, that would be an unhelpful aspect to having labels because you would automatically think personality X or personality Y, oh, I, I never get along with them. They're so right. difficult to work exactly. with. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but if you think behavior, then you realize, no, this is just how they are right, right now. And if you know, understand, let's, you know, let's say take whining. When a person's whining, they're feeling helpless. They're feeling the victim, uh, right? So if they're helpless, then if you could empower them somehow, to problem solve, then they move out, out, of, out of whining. But if I just think that's the person's personality, then I probably give up and I don't even try or I do something stupid that really makes it even worse. <laughs> like try to offer a solution. <laughs> then they're going to whine about that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think it might be um, 
helpful for the listeners and the viewers if we kind of do a skimming of the difficult uh, attributes first and then go into the details. That way the listener can guess which one is which as we go through the actual examples. Okay. So uh, uh, we have what's called the lens of understanding uh, and it's a way of understanding human behavior. And we have four basic intents. We want to get get things done. Uh, we want to get those things done right. We want to get along with people, and we want to get appreciated by people. Now, these are all part of us. If somebody wants to get things done and it's not happening, uh, then they get more controlling. That's what they go into what we call the green zone, which is the cooperation zone. They go into the yellow zone, caution. It's not yellow isn't automatically bad. You know, if if I'm a boss and I see my people are going in all different directions, I go, okay, people, look, here's what we're going to do. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. I'm now controlling, but I'm not really in a negative behavior. If somebody wants to get it right and it's not happening, they tend to go into perfection, focus on the details no one else is paying attention to. If we want to get along with people and it's not happening, we go into approval, do things to make sure everything's okay between us. And if I want to be appreciated and I don't feel it's happening, I go into attention, do things to get people to notice. So taking it out to the next level then, if people go into the, what we call the uh, danger zone, uh, if things aren't getting done, I could easily become a tank. All right, people, this is what we're going to do. You know, you've been working on it two weeks. You're already four weeks behind. Now, here's what I'm in charge. Parliament dissolved. Martial law sets so tank behavior. People just run right over you. It's, uh, it's the bully. It's aggressive. It's not interested in anything that wastes time makes it worse. Another controlling behavior can be sniping. You know, if I resent you for something, then maybe I say things like, hey, I got a great idea. Let's play horse. I'll be the head. You just be yourself. <laughs> don't, don't get all emotional. Can't you take a joke? Mm-hmm. It could be to your face or behind the back, but the sniper is not getting mad. They're getting even. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you also get out of a controlling behavior is know-it-all behavior. That's right. I know 99% and I'm happy to tell you how much I know for hours on end. Dominate meetings go on and on and on. And a true know-it-all really does know what they're talking about. But the the problem with that behavior it's closed-minded it's not willing to hear what others have to say if we switch to get it right and i go into perfection i look at what could be perfection and what is it's not measure up to what could be then it's very easy to get into oh no nothing's right and it's always wrong whining uh what we can also get out of that perfection is negativity forget it it's hopeless every silver cloud has a dark lining (laughs) You suggest an idea to them, they say, pull, boom, got that idea. (laughs) And the problem with whining and negativity is it's usually generalized. Everybody, all the time, everything, and you can't problem solve a generalization. So they're caught in their own quicksand. Uh, What you also get in that get it right area is, fine, do it your way. Don't come crying to me when it doesn't work out. And from that point, I say, nothing. Now, you also get nothing behavior out of a different area of the lens, the get-along area where you want people's approval. So if you don't have something nice to say, I wouldn't want you to be mad at me, so I say... Nothing. Nothing, exactly. On the other hand, if you want something from me, I also want something from you, your approval. So I'm like, agreeable, sure, okay, yeah, I'll do that. Oh, yeah, you need it by Friday, sure. Oh, you need this on Thursday, okay, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then things don't get done because in that moment when I'm going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, my seven bits of conscious attention is focused on pleasing somebody, but what it's not doing is task calculations. I'm not thinking about how long this is going to take or what else I have on my, uh, my schedule. So I say yes, and then things don't get done. If I'm faced with a decision uh, that could hurt somebody's feelings, I say, I'll think about it. Ask me later. 
maybe. And that's my final decision. <laughs> I mean, come on. We've all told the salesperson, I'll think about it. Right. Were you really going to think about right. it? No. See, that's approval or the behavior. I feel like the corporate version of that is, let me run that up the ladder. Yeah, absolutely. Where is this ladder? <laughs> right. Coming out of attention, not getting attention. Nobody cares. What's the problem the world today? It's the government's fault. This is what we call grenade behavior. It's, it's the tantrum. Now, the difference between tank and grenade Tank should be in jail. Grenade should be institutionalized. <laughs> Actually, the difference is, is a level of intent. A tank means to do it. When people go tank, they take aim, but they leave other useful people in office equipment standing. When people go grenade, they blow up in 360 degrees. You hear all this stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with the present circumstances because a tank attack is a demand for action, but a grenade tantrum is a demand for attention. Mm. When a tank is attacking, we know what it's about. We may disagree with what they're doing and how they're doing it, but we know what it's about. When a grenade is blown up, you're usually going, what? Huh? It's just too disproportionate. What you also get out of that attention zone is another kind of sniping. This is friendly fire. People who like you, so they say, I never forget a face, but in your case, I'll make an exception. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it's that friendly put-down humor, friendly teasing. It ha has no ill intent, uh, and it's a way of making connection with people, but sometimes it can have unwanted side effects. And then Last but not least, uh, what you also get in the, that attention area is think they know it all. That's right. I'm an expert, and I believe it, too, because when I speak, words come out my mouth, come back in both my ears, and I think, hey, this must be true. <laughs> I heard it twice. <laughs> uh, so, so Those are the basic 10 that we, we started okay. with. And then when we went into, we wrote a follow-up book called Dealing with Relatives, and there oh, were gosh. corollaries there, uh, you know, like somebody's the general of the family. They're just in charge and such. But then there were three other behaviors that were somewhat unique. One was the judge. Mm. Oh, you're wearing that again. Looks a little worn. Mm. Now, the judge is coming out of that get it right per perfection area of the lens. Uh, the other thing you get is the martyr. Oh, poor me. I do everything for everybody. That's coming out of that um, kind of need for attention area of the lens. It's kind of half-pleasing people, so it's part get-along, but it's also part, um, it's right there at the bottom of the lens where, where get-along meets get-appreciated. Okay. And then what you also get is a meddler. So a meddler is kind of like half-tank, half-judge. They judge you, and then they take over and do it for you, because you're obviously not going to be able to do it yourself. I honestly feel like you just set the scene for some new sitcom with three mother-in-laws who are oh, diabolically... God, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. I, I really, every... I, my mother-in-law is lovely, for the record, if she's listening. <laughs> but, um, but I feel like, uh, yeah, that, that I just pictured like three uh, like older women conspiring to take over the neighborhood and make their son-in-law's life, you know, miserable. So that would be interesting. Be, yeah. So if there are three mother-in-laws, then maybe from a past marriage, one mother-in-law still has stuck around. Oh, I like it. I she's think not even married. The, the spouse isn't even married anymore, but she's still the, being the mother-in-law of this person. I think you have your next sketch on your hands. <laughs> I, I think we, I think you'd make a, that would be really funny. Okay. Yeah. So I've got these examples, but to summarize the, the 10 basic ones, since most yeah. of the examples that were sent in were work related, the tank, okay. the sniper, the grenade, the know-it-all, the think they know-it-all, mm -hmm. the yes person, the maybe person, the nothing person, the no person, and the whiner. Did I get it? Absolutely. Okay. You got it. Great. A plus. Well, I wrote it down. <laughs> I'm a good study. I'm a good study. Okay. So here's our first example. Um, she says, this is a listener. She says, 
the problem that she has at work is people who do not take initiative. She's in sales. She says, I'm highly motivated to complete a task due to the potential compensation. When I work with people who are hourly or who are not being compensated for working quickly, they're less motivated and oftentimes difficult to work with. Yeah. So obviously our listener is, is task oriented. So they're in that get it done area of the lens and, uh, the other people don't have quite the motivation, but we'd have to know where, where they are. You know, like if somebody's more in that attention area of the lens, then really appreciating them is going to go a long way. Oh, mm. thank you. You know, I couldn't have done this without you. You know, you mean so much to this team. I really appreciate the quality of your work. And, and this is not, you know, in an ongoing relationship, every time you're, um, this is called blending. It, when you meet people where they are, you're, you're, you're blending. You know, if you go out a, with friends and you dress in similar styles or colors, you're blending. You're with a friend in a restaurant, you look at a menu, what are you going to have? What is what they're going to have, have to do with what you're hungry and thirsty for? It's not about hunger and thirst, it's about a feeling of rapport, blending. So it's meeting people where they are. So if we give that attention and appreciation to that person, that's what they really need. You know, they don't have the monetary goal that your listener does, but that attention goal and appreciation. So that could motivate them. On the other hand, let's say they're more in the approval area of the lens, then what we have to realize is they're always trying to please people, but they're not going to be making realistic commitments because they can only pay attention to seven things at once, and they're looking at you and they want to please you, and maybe they could have gotten it done, but then somebody else shows up and they agree, and somebody else shows, okay, yeah, I'll do that for you, and then it doesn't happen. So if you know that somebody's in that area of the lens, then you can't take yes for an answer. When they say, yes, I'll do it, you go, great, thanks. All right, let's look at what's involved here. You'll have to do this and this. How long do you think that'll take you? Okay, and you know, oh, and you know what? You got to actually check with that person because you'll need information from them. So tell you what, don't tell me now. Go to them, find out when they can do it, and let's you and I touch base tomorrow, and you tell me what you think is realistic. So I have to slow that process down. And now note when I'm doing that, I'm not uh, – I'm being friendly and helpful, which is going to blend with where they are in that get-along area of the lens. And that's the typical mode of operation for those people. They make commitments they don't keep because they're not doing the task calculations. But if I lay out what they have to do, and even more, I I give them time. I say, so let's let's talk to them and let's talk tomorrow. Because when they're by themselves... They, everybody has every part in them, so they can think about a task and be realistic about it. It's just in that face-to-face moment, uh, they're, they're not able to. Now, let's say um, you ask them to do something, and they say, you know, I don't know if I got too much right now. Could I get it to you on Friday? The first thing you should say is, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that you being honest with me. Thank you. That was such a huge step. For them to actually be honest with you and sometimes after you did all that stuff the test calculations da, 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 and you've established rapport with them that would be uh you want to recognize that that was the next step in them feeling open and safe with you and uh in general with human behavior you want to uh you want to appreciate whatever whatever you want more of from a person and once they do that realize oh you really thank them for that and the more safe they are the more they can be direct with you so um so that takes care of those two. But then there could be somebody else who is overly, if they're in that get it right perfection, that they're overly anal about something. And they're going to be analyzing details that may not really need to be analyzed or thought out 
based on this one project or this one item. So with them, you'd appreciate their uh, attention to detail, but you'd have to give them some clear parameters of this is just good enough, okay? This is really just what we need. But it's more important that we have it by Friday. I can really see why it would be important for the person wanting to bring out the best in others in this situation. So like this listener, I would see how it would be important for her to be not in uh, a heightened state of stress where, where she has made, I don't, I don't know if this is the case, but let's say she waited to the last minute to give it to the person mm. who, you know, that would not be ideal. I love the way that you rounded that out. Follow-up question though. Um, there's a similar problem from another listener, but the person is his boss. And so the boss signs up the, the team for um, unrealistic deadlines based on client desires. Mm. And mm-hmm. so how do you respectfully address your boss in that way? Because the, the examples you gave would definitely work for that first example where this person was a coworker or maybe um, an administrative support employee. But what if the person signing you up for more work or saying yes to things that they don't actually have to do themselves is your yes. boss. So we have to consider what the bo- where the boss might be. They yeah. might be in that get-along area of the lens. They're trying to please the, the client customer, uh, which is valid. We certainly want to make that person uh, happy. But we would, uh, if that's the case, at some point we'd have to have a talk with the boss of, first of all, establish, we definitely want to please the client. I mean... Uh, we're right there with you. The problem is we, if we make a commitment and then we can't fulfill it, that's certainly not going to please the client. And so uh, this is what it would take to do this right because obviously we want it right because that also pleases the client. So we probably have to discuss the, the different things that they're committing to and get the po- boss to understand what's the timeline really for this type of thing. Like This really takes three days tomorrow unless unless you tell us we no, we're not doing anything else and screw all the other clients <laughs> we, we got to please this one so uh, we'd want to have that discussion about realistic timelines and and get the boss to realize that if if we make a commitment we can't keep we're not pleasing the client so it defeats his, the boss's own own purpose in that in that case Hey everyone, just a quick interruption to show gratitude to our sponsors and give you some special deals. The UWF Historical Trust. We shoot the show at the Museum of Commerce and the Pensacola Museum of History. And it's not just an amazing step back into the 18 and 1900s, but it's an event space too. And because they love creative collaborations and have spaces for all party sizes, they're pretty much the perfect venue to make your event stand out. So if you need a unique space in downtown Pensacola, take a look at historicpensacola.org. And if you want to tour one of the 12 museums, get your tickets in person so you can show the agent one of my emails and get $2 off an adult ticket. Get emails by texting REAL to 66866. It seems like no one can agree on anything nowadays, but I have found the unifier to unite us all. Mosquitoes suck. Mine were so bad, they were in my car. Have you ever tried to swat a mosquito while driving? Not advised. Insect has been great because they guarantee their work and pollinator care is always top of mind. If you live in the Florida Panhandle or the Gulf Coast of Alabama, give them a call, ensec.net. Now back to the show. 
So you would reiterate the boss's desire to please the client, reinforcing yes. their motivation to say yes to things that may or may not be possible, and then from there, structure it out. Yes, you want to be on the, with the same po- positive intent. Okay. We both want to please the client. Well, this next person says that their difficult person um, is a situation where any offer of help or insight excuse me, any offer of help or slight criticism is taken as you wanting their job or position. They're constantly on the defense. Do we know what the relationship is? Are they equals in this? Um, It doesn't sound like they're equals. I don't know the details, but I would think that if... um, they, one person thinks the other wants their job, there's maybe some inequality in the positions. Because otherwise it wouldn't matter, I would think. So, you know, in general, remember, if you want to establish rapport with people, uh, that's an ongoing thing. So the more you uh, understand where people are in the lens and appreciate them or, you know, uh, make them safe or bottom line to the point if you're dealing with people in the get it done area or make sure you look know the importance of details if they're and get it right so that's an ongoing uh, thing and what we'd want to do is then if this person seems to be defensive um, maybe we are being to get it done you know we're going right to the bottom line of something they can prove maybe we have to start with hey this is great and this is great and this is great and there's here's one other thing that we can do to make it even better one other thing, in addition to not in contradiction, not that there's, you did something wrong, but here's another way we can. And, and depending on where, where they are, right, um, if they're in that get it right area lens, then, you know, uh, this would be another thing we can do to make sure it's really perfection for that client. Or if they're in the uh, get appreciated area lens, you know, look, we would talk about appreciation, how much the client's going to appreciate them. So you definitely want to establish rapport over the long term in general, and, and then speak to their motivation. And if somebody's getting defensive, I would say that we probably need to do more catching them in the act of getting it right on an ongoing basis. And then it's just, here's one little thing that we can alter or improve. Not was wrong, but can alter or improve to make things better. So it sounds like in every scenario, instead of jumping to oh, they're a tank, or oh, they're a maybe person. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you start with why. Start with what their potential motivation is and then build Mm -hmm. from there. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. You want to recognize. Now, it may may seem like people are in one particular area of the lens, but that's the illusion because you only know them in certain contexts and in certain relationships. You know, somebody uh, uh, can be a total tank, but you wouldn't believe what a wimp they'll turn into in a different context or a different relationship that you never, never That's get That's so to true. See. Like when you run into your coworker outside of work and you're like, wow, they're a total dick in the office, but <laughs> they're like <laughs> so nice now, you know, they're buying right. your drinks and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I it, was interviewing a CEO once to prepare for her uh, seminar for her company. And she said, oh yeah, it, she can, she's definitely in that get it done area of the lens when she's at work and you know she can easily get stressed out and become a tank but then she says when she goes home she becomes a whiner to her husband about the problems at work her husband can't understand how does she possibly run a company she's such a whiner (laughs) 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 but he doesn't get to see her in a blazing tank glory that is interesting wow see that's why 
people are so interesting and so nuanced and um, it's just these little tweaks that can help us understand and and see the the layers of each other a little bit better. I have yeah. a question about virtualness since mm-hmm. um, many offices and teams are working together in a virtual capacity. Are there any special considerations for virtual interactions like email or text or virtual meetings like on Zoom? Can you be a little more specific about what the question is? Well, like, um, for example, I used to work for a business broker, and um, I I just loved your book because I was cracking up thinking of myself in different situations. At the time I worked for this business broker, I was going through a stressful divorce, although, like, all divorces are clearly (laughs) stressful. But that heightened my quirks. And um, (laughs) he, um, I I was definitely in the get it done and probably get it right somewhere waning between those two. And I would start emails like, hey, can you send over the transcript that you said you'd send yesterday? Mm -hmm. And then I don't think I even signed it like Meredith, like I just would send it. And he would say, oh, this is great. And next time, let's start with acknowledging the person. Hi, Steve. Mm-hmm. Great seeing you at the city council meeting yesterday. <laughs> right. Can you send over the transcript? So, um, I mean, that is one consideration that I've learned personally in my life. So I'm just wondering, in your experience in leading other corporations through this more virtual transition, if there's any um, specific tips that would be easy for us to remember of how to humanize that experience a little bit more. Well, you, I think the, the mantra is meet people where they are. And so you want to start recognizing where people are in general in the limited context and relationship where you know them. I mean, when you personally uh, do an email, usually like, we, we say what we want to say. You're getting it done. I always think that there's three rounds in any email. First is, boom, you, you say what you got to say. Then in the second round, you got to turn around and look at it from their point of view. How is this going to uh, sound to them? And then you might add, oh, here, Steve. Great seeing you at the meeting. That's where you start adding those uh, secondary things. And I think that one thing to stay with email is that all emails, after the greeting, the first line in an email should be a statement of intent. What do you want from a people? And if you think of communication like a phone number, intent is your area code. It gets you in the right general uh, vicinity with people. You know, I, I noticed this a lot with couples uh, when I used to do counseling in my early career. Uh, somebody, let's say, is upset about something. Their intent is to clear the air. Good intent. They go to their partner, but they don't speak their intent. They say, you know, I was upset the other day when you said that, 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 and you know, they're saying it nicely. And then the partner hears a sound in their mind like this. Ah, ah. <laughs> we are under attack. This is not a drill. Oops. Misunderstanding. But if we start with, I love you. I care about you. I have to have something blocking our communication. Now they know where you're coming from. Home is not where you go when you're tired of being nice to people. <laughs> Oh, I anytime love you, anytime you speak intent up front, you set up a clear communication, and you always know it's time for a statement of intent. If you're worried about somebody taking it the wrong way, and so I would say there. So going back to the email, there's, there should be uh, three rounds. Round one, you're just bleh, you're whatever your response, act, reaction to theirs, or whatever you want to get out. Round two, you're looking at it from their point of view, adding the pleasantries, statement of intent, and then in round three you should read your email out loud to yourself. 
because uh, there are secondary messages that we have with our tongue. We read the email, we hear how we are saying it, but the other person doesn't hear that. They're just going to hallucinate freely. So if let's say somebody suggested an idea to me and I go, wow, Mary, that's a great idea. But we'll have to talk to the union about that. Now, if I read out loud, we'll have to talk to the union about that. Now, when I go, nah, 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 that, that tone is saying it's not a big deal. But I can't, uh, I can't depend on Mary hearing in that tone. She could be reading, well, I've talked to the union about that. You know, because she's going to, we hallucinate freely based on our blood sugar curve, our stress level and everything <laughs> we've got going on that, <laughs> that day. So, so uh, eat, I, except the, the fourth layer is like eat a Snickers bar and level <laughs> your glucose and then, and then send the email. <laughs> that was, we have so many production ideas, Dr. Brinkman. I think we should do like a skit series together. <laughs> okay. I'd love that. That would be fun. <laughs> I'm, it's, I'm a yes. I'm not being a yes person. <laughs> Okay, so the three layers, um, say them again, just wrap them up for me. Well, the first round is you're reacting to their email, whatever you think. Or if you're the initiator, it's just whatever, blah, you know, the subject matter, what you're trying to get across, like you wanted the transcript. Okay, second round, you look at it from their point of view. Yeah, the pleasantries, as you pointed out, we, oh, let's start with a statement of, in, of intent. Uh, and then the third round before you hit send is read it out loud to yourself and listen for any secondary messages you have in your tone. That's so good. Um, but I would always say, uh, you know, you got to also know when to bail on email. Uh, it'll, if you suspect that the other person's upset or you're having a strong reaction to whatever you're hallucinating about, it's better to pull the ripcord and bail on email. Joe, I get this is very important. You've taken your valuable time to write me if, if Joe thinks it's important. That's a blending statement. His, if he considers time valuable, it's a blending statement. So I think the quickest way to resolve this is let's talk on the phone. What's good for you? And then mm -hmm. if they, even if they come with a second round, you go, out, look, I know it's important. You've written me twice. Your time is valuable. We have to solve this. Here's some times that work for me. Pick whatever works for you. Uh, sometimes you just got to hold that line with people and almost train them uh, when to bail on email and when to... Uh, when is it okay to be in writing with people? Interesting. That is, those are such good considerations. As we wrap up, why, in your opinion, is all this effort and thought worth it? Well, I mean, if people are going stressed out, tank, whiner, negative, whatever, they're making agreements, but they're not going to keep them. I mean, you're the victim of all that behavior. So uh, there's two things. One is you keeping people out of the red zone is totally good for you. And uh, secondly, the more flexible you, you get, you can think of like going to the gym. Oh, good. This, the know-it-all is going to work out my, my patience, all right, to listen to them and get them to <laughs> open their mind. Uh, the tank is going to up my assertiveness level to just mm. get to the point and be able to handle a little bit of uh, aggression. So there's always something in it for you. And, and uh, as you blend with a lot of people first of all they don't get stressed out so therefore they're not going to piss you off <laughs> in all the ways they could and, and secondly it just makes you better and better in all your relationships and you stay out of conflict and that's uh why the subtitle of the book the only people can't stand is how to bring out the best in people at their worst yes and that's the key not to just have funny labels to talk about them behind their back which this episode is not about at all everyone um <laughs> <laughs> so if the listener or the viewer wants to uh, learn more i know i read 
um, this book, but it's kind of the shorter Cliff Notes version. Oh, yeah, that's you said, the Cliff Notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't realize that when I got it. Um, tell everyone what books you have out, where they can find them, and how they can stay in touch with you. Well, dealing with people you can't stand, okay, is in its third edition. Uh, it's it going into 26 languages now, which kind of surprised me and Rick Kirshner because, uh, you know, certain cultures have some very strict rules about the communication game. You know, some are more hierarchical and so forth. But it seems to resonate with uh, everyone. I mean, on one hand, uh, that's a shame that everybody in the world can't stand each other. On the other hand, it's good for my business. <laughs> uh, and then there's uh, uh, dealing with meetings you can't stand, which uh, takes it to the next level because all these behaviors can come out in some sort of meeting. And um, maybe we should do even a follow-up uh, session together on meetings specifically because that tends to be a context that can bring out the worst in people who otherwise might be at their best. And, you know, it's, they're, they're on Amazon, and there's, I have all kinds of resources on my website with audios and videos and the Conscious Communication University online class. And so I'm at uh, Dr. Rick, drrickbrinkman.com. Well, that's perfect. Well, I hope that um, everyone does look at those, uh, your website and order the book for goodness sakes, because they don't realize it, but meetings are like the unifier of things that we all hate. So we, we're on, we're on some, to something like we all hate the meeting. Let's make this the best as it possibly can, which I know actually in your book that you talk about how to have less meetings, which I love that. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for being on the show and um, for taking time to share with us today. This was great. Oh, it's totally my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, you'll also like the one about the impact of ADHD on work relationships and motivation. That's episode 74. Stay tuned next week when I talk with a former homeless man who opened a free rehab center and shelter in his hometown where he was homeless. Talk to you next week.